Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. The Athletic. Mark Marquez has been at the centre of every major MotoGP storyline since he burst onto the grid in 2013 and won the title at the first attempt. He's the greatest rider of the last decade, he became Valentino Rossi's final arch-rival, and he continued to monopolise the headlines even through the past four injury-ravaged years, dominating the news from the sidelines and sometimes even from the gravel trap as everything went awry for him and Honda. So he's a pretty fascinating person to talk to, and it is an absolute privilege that we are able to bring you an exclusive one-on-one chat between Mark Marquez and our own Simon Patterson on this epically special episode of the Race MotoGP podcast. Now, we asked for you to send in questions that you wanted to put to Mark listeners, and with the way Mark's schedule turned out ahead of the final test, we couldn't actually fit those into this particular chat. But massive, massive thanks to Grassini. They've arranged for Mark to answer a few of your questions separately, and we're going to bring those to you in our next episode, which we're recording after the final test day on Tuesday. But for now, we bring you Mark Marquez in exclusive conversation with the race about everything that led up to 2024 and his paddock-shaking Grassini Ducati move. Enjoy it. It's a, it's a very special 15 minutes coming up. Mark, thank you for joining us. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you to invite me. Yeah, thank you for taking some time out. It's good to be able to... In the test is easier. Yeah, so exactly. It's good, always, this is, this is why I've been... I asked Chris, I think the day that you signed for the team, I told Chris I want an interview really early uh, at yeah, the yeah, test yeah, when everything fine. is more relaxed. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's get into it. Um, I'm, I'm going to jump straight in because I know we don't have a yeah, huge yeah, amount yeah. of time. Yeah. Did you, did you have to switch teams this season? Did you have to change to something that gave you more of a chance to win? after the last few years, after how difficult everything has been? You mean 23 to 24? 23 to 24. Yeah, of course, if I, uh, I change team, it's because it was something that, um, that I need. And, um, and yeah, it's true that, uh, of course, it was a, was, it's a risky movement. Of course. But, uh, but at the same time, it's a, it's a movement thinking on my career, not on, uh, not on the result in a short uh, time you know yeah. it's like uh, thinking to to feel like uh, if i have the motivation if i'm uh, if i'm competitive again uh, you know i has i, ha- I has and uh, and three years ago four years ago a very big injury in a heart injury in the arm yeah. and uh, and yeah now it's working well but still it's not i mean it's arm that uh, you open four times yes if yeah. you ask in a, to a doctor of course, it's performing in a good way, but it's not the same it's arm. The, yeah. But uh, but I have many question marks inside uh, my my head. So uh, so yeah, the best way to to answer to myself is uh, is yeah, do what uh, what I want and uh, and yeah, uh, was is a risky movement. Why? Because uh, the comfortable movement was stay of course. where I was uh, with my people, with my friends. Uh, with a big salary and uh, developing a project and that's it. But uh, I decided to jump to a new, a new project uh, and, and yeah, 
uh, at the moment uh, we will see if uh, if I can uh, answer many questions that I have. It sounds like the the reason you did it, the questions you have to answer are all for yourself. It's not for anyone else. It's not about no, no, no. no. It's, it's just for me. It's just uh, to because for me, I say many times in my interviews, if I if I don't feel competitive, competitive doesn't mean win or win. Yes. Means be on that top five, top six, and uh, and yeah, fight for podiums, fight for victories. Win a championship is super difficult, and uh, especially it uh, becomes more and more difficult when the years are passing and the youngers are coming. So the life is the life, and uh, and uh, <laughs> every every athlete have his moment, and then step by step uh, uh, goes down. But uh, but yeah. I, I need to feel again competitive uh, to to continue uh, with uh, with my career. It, it feels crazy for me that you know I remember when you came into the championship and you were the young guy and yeah. everyone, <laughs> and, and, and now somehow you've become one of the older ones. I can't even imagine how it feels for you that this yeah. has kind of <laughs> happened overnight. I think especially <laughs> especially these uh, last four years yeah. has been uh, I mean has been a nightmare, but it's like passed super quick. Uh, the other years I was competing. I mean, uh, in last four years I compete the half of the championship. I mean, uh, because I has I had many injuries. So, so now I need to find this uh, this stability, this base, to start to create again a, a good a good base to fight for uh, some races to the top positions. This is my intention, but to fight for the championship, this is something that still I'm not ready those few years that that you said that they went really fast is part of that because in your mind they're just blanked out can be can be i know how it is that, when uh, you go through yeah. something like this and you it's true that in that four years are the years that i learned more things okay but is another part of my mind say okay forget that four years because it uh, has been a nightmare so uh, so yeah i mean i didn't had even i has been injured but i didn't had uh, i mean when you are winning and when you are just uh, winning, training, home, events, then you have free time. Yes. When you are injured, looks like, ah, now he will have more free time. It's opposite, it's less, because you visit doctors, uh, then rehabilitation, then uh, you need to, to make like a double job to arrive in the level. So I didn't have any free time, and this, is, this was the first winter that I was calm, I was normal. <laughs> I spent five days in Bali with my girlfriend and it was like for four or five years that I didn't have any holidays. So uh, so that uh, I like it and uh, step by step I start to, to feel again. Through those four years, what was the, what was the toughest part? Because I'm sure there was parts when you thought maybe this isn't coming back, maybe, maybe it's gone. For me, the, the toughest part um, you know, one thing is is the the, the injury by by himself. I mean, uh, by myself, I try to to work hard, and uh, but the hardest point is that you don't have time. Yeah. You see that the days are passing, and then uh, you try to do faster that uh, that you feel. Then arrive another crash, another injury. Yes. Then, but why you do faster that what you feel? If you are alone in a circuit, you will be step by step. But when you are here, all the <laughs> Uh, all the journalists, all the focus, <laughs> all the media is in is watching you. Yeah. Then uh, expectations are high. So for that reason, uh, one of the things that I repeat more this winter is like, okay, the expectations are super high. Yes. But I don't want to hurt about expectations. I mean, I know which is my real moment. I know what I passed these last four years. 
and I know what I need to do. In my head, I know what I need to do if I want to feel competitive again. Then we will see if I can, because yes. um, as I say before, natural life, every athlete have his moment. Then natural life, every athlete start to drop step by step, step by step, but then you need to find a way to, to be longer and longer in, in your career. You, you said that you learned a lot during all of this. Is there things that have made you better? Are there things that you're going to come back now with, like new skills, new because of the experience? No, I will be not better than before. Uh, because, okay. uh, because, yeah, maybe I have more experience, but uh, before I was 100% on physical condition. Okay. And I, I was fresh and uh, and yeah, and I will be not, yeah, the people say, no, he will come back stronger. When you have an injury, of course, it's injuries and injuries. When you have an injury uh, like uh, two, three years, yeah. you lose the rhythm, you lose many, the feeling sometimes, and then it's super difficult to rebuild all that things. But especially because uh, your, your body, I mean, uh, they say, no, the body is super smart, uh, can adapt. Yeah. The body is super smart to adapt, uh, to the new things, but also it's smart to remember what what's going on exactly. there. So, uh, yes. so yeah, I will be different maybe, but uh, not not better. When when did you start thinking about the season and about making the change? I mean, of course, um, on that period, uh, Germany, uh, Asen, on summertime. I was in a very deep moment yeah. uh, because uh, again I broke my rib, the ankle, a ligament, and uh, and yeah, it was a, I had another injury. I mean, yes. uh, and in the first part of the season, uh, in the winter I had one injury, then on the on the first race another one, and then on the middle of the championship another one, and then I say, okay, I need. There I say, okay, I need to change mentality, and I will I will be less risky on the track. Yeah, but then. When I when we started on Silverstone, on Austria, the results never arrived. Yeah, yeah. So then I start to push again in Mizano, India. Then I was again in the top positions, but again and another big crashes. And yeah. then I again I step back. So, so yeah, uh, was like first I think on myself for try to change. But then when I change on myself, then I didn't feel competitive. Yes. So. So was there where uh, where I start to think more around Misano, India, is uh, is where I start to think uh, a bit more uh, deeply about it, the situation. It's tough to stop pushing like that when you've spent your entire life pushing like that. It's harder when you stop in the box and you are twentieth. I yeah. mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, of course, uh, pushing. I mean, uh, you push if you feel. It's yes. super hard to push a bike in the limit when you don't feel. Yeah. I can. I can do. But it's, then it's hard because yes. uh, when you crash, uh, you have less confidence. So, so yeah. But crashing is part of the of the racing, and uh, and even this year uh, with Ducati, that looks like the people crash less. But in my style, I'm I was always even in my best years, I was the Honda <laughs> that crashed more times. Yeah, of course. So uh, can be, and it's yeah, high yeah. possibility that I will be the Ducati that crashed more times. But I hope that more in the in the free practice than in the races. <laughs> but you never know. I, I mean, it's, it's it's my style. Was by the time you started to think like this, to think about the future, was Grassini the only option for you, or did you did you explore some other options? Was it the? No, I mean, uh, of course, I I had more options. Yeah. Uh, but I was looking for a one-year option. 
Yes. Because I don't know which will be my future. Yeah. And uh, and I was looking for one year option. And and the another important point is that uh, I take decision super late. Yes. Yeah. And the only team that was able to respect uh, that uh, that timings uh, and never push me because I say you cannot push me. If you push me, the reaction my reaction will be different. So I need my time. Okay. Yeah. And my priority is Honda and was Honda. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, first of all, I need my time. And, and the team that respect all these things uh, was Gresini with uh, Nadia and Carlo and Michele. Looking at the, the situation at Honda now, it looks like the bike is improving a little bit. Like they're maybe finally doing what you asked them to do, but too late. I mean, what they did last three months it's amazing, yeah. <laughs> and still I have a super re- good relationship uh, with uh, with my mechanics, of course. and uh, and with uh, the team manager Alberto, and with Kubata-san, and uh, with all the Japanese stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, and when, what they did with three months is unbelievable. I mean, they changed completely a new engine. Uh, they changed a lot. Uh, I know that uh, the reaction of the weight of the bike, and uh, and uh, and of course many different things that. Already, I don't know because <laughs> yeah, uh, they have his outside. secrets, yeah. and uh, yeah. and it's uh, <laughs> it's the competition. It's like this: you you can you can be very friendly with the people, but uh, everybody have his secrets. But uh, but yeah, if somebody can do Honda, it's Honda. Yes, they need time. I don't know if they will need six months or two years. Yeah, but uh, they will come back to the top uh, as they did in the past. So, what does that mean for your future this season in terms of setting a target for next year? Do you can you take as much time or take some time at least to think about it yeah of course uh, for example on i remember on 16 or 17 uh, on 19 my contract on february was already signed yes <laughs> and uh, and now even i didn't have any contact with nobody yeah why because first of all i need to answer the questions to myself yeah and then analyze the situation and but it's not secrets if you are faster on the racetrack you will have more options if you are uh, if you are not fast enough in the racetrack of course, you can have options, but you will have less options. Then, uh, then at the moment, first of all, I need to concentrate on myself, and uh, and then, if I have the possibility, decide. Yeah. Because maybe I will, will not have any possibility <laughs> to to decide where I want to go. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, at the moment, uh, still I have a lot of job to do in myself. And then looking to the season, just finally, it sounds like. A successful season for you personally might not be what others think will be a successful season because it's not going to be about finishing in a position in the championship or winning a certain amount of races. It's going to be about how you feel and what where for, you are. For me, uh, successful in the season can be like uh, achieve some podium, fight for the for some victory, fight for the championship. Honestly speaking, yes. I mean, uh, uh, guys, that is Bagnaya, Martin. Uh, Jackie Binder, Costa that is coming. Uh, that uh, is a rookie, but I won in my rookie year, so yes. he can win <laughs> in his rookie year. So are some guys that uh, that are younger, are super fast, and especially Bagnaya Martin uh, ride many years with this bike. They know exactly how to fix the the problems. They know. I mean, I know which is this feeling because I was in Honda and my teammates arrived and uh, and I had the situation everything under control and. Yeah. Uh, uh, also was one of the reasons why I was always the first Honda. Uh, when I was competing, uh, just 2020, all the other years, I was always the first yeah. Honda in the in the championship. So, uh, so yeah, this is a new challenge for me, but I need to learn. I need to learn from another guys now how to ride this uh, this bike because the way that I ride Honda is not working here. So, so but will be super difficult to reach the, the level of them. 
Perfect. Thank, Thank you very you. much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So thank you so much, Mark Marquez, for making that happen. Thank you for to Grassini for facilitating it for us as well. And Simon, that was that was a really special fifteen minutes. Actually, I mean, obviously you get a, you get a one on one with a multiple world champion. Your expectations are kind of simultaneously high, but also thinking, what can they say that they haven't said before? This this guy has done so many media sessions across all these dramatic years of his career. Are we? Is this just going to be something where we go, great, we got him just to ourselves, but would he reveal anything new? But I, I thought that was a, a mega interview. He was properly open with you. So traditionally, that's the case of all factory writers, but also traditionally with Mark Marquez, there's another thing where he, he's super good at media. He's super good at managing the media because it's all he's done his whole life. You know, He's been under the spotlight like no other writer for his entire career. So he's got very good at it. And, and what that often means is that whenever you throw him a question that's a bit difficult or a bit tough it's almost like he's pre-recorded an answer in his head and he pushes the button on the soundboard to play the answer that he wants to give regardless of what the question is and kind of misses the question a little bit and there was none of that today it genuinely felt like like everything that i asked him he kind of considered and gave an honest assessment of an honest answer to and came out really good from it it was you know i've done countless number of debriefs with the guy you know i've been doing four four of those a weekend for 20 races since 2016 plus we've done you know at least one proper sit down one-on-one interview a year as part of that as well but it's never felt like i've done anything as special as we did with him today um i'm delighted that we we got the opportunity to do it i'm glad that he was able to be so honest and open with it and i'm really glad that we got to do it for the podcast as well because normally when you do things like that it's it's for print and you lose a little bit of that in the translation just as a you know as, as a as a, a consequence of writing it down but there was none of that today it was just yeah it was something really special something really different really really um really pleased to be able to get the time with him and to, to get such good answers out of him yeah no absolutely i i was thinking back during it to i was trying to remember the point at which marquez started talking more openly about how he might not be the same again after the injuries and I feel like there's a point there were so many injuries over the last four years I lose track of what the juncture actually was but there started being interviews where he was open to the possibility that his peak had now been wrecked by what had happened to him and he might not be the same rider again and that had kind of quietened down a little bit I felt as kind of the move took precedence and all the questions were about leaving Honda about joining Grassini and what a Ducati would be like to ride and he brought it back up himself in in your chat today I, I was very struck by him basically going this isn't just about getting a more competitive bike I need to see if 
Not, I was going to say, I need to see if I'm any good again or not. He's not quite going that far, but he's not taking it for granted that he is still the Mar- Marquez of 2019. No, I mean, he sounded like someone th- that has always had that question mark in the back of his head, even while the rest of us have forgotten about it with all the excitement of changing manufacturers and changing teams. And, you know, there's been a lot of Mark Marquez headlines in the last six months, uh, apart from his injury recovery, because the focus has been elsewhere. But, it, you know, you listen to him speak today, you listen to the way he raises this. And it's clear that the focus in his head is still on, you know, am I going to come back and be the guy that I used to be? And and it actually sounds like he doesn't think he is going to be. Now, don't get me wrong, within Mark Marquez's talent range, there's so much talent that I think he can come back as a different rider and still be super competitive and still win races and titles. But, you know, it, it it's the first time in a long time that I've sat down and thought, yeah, you know what, maybe... Maybe things are going to be different here. Maybe this isn't going to just be a case of super fast rider from 2019 gets in a different bike and is immediately super fast again. There's almost this thinly veiled aura of annoyance and annoyance, not a hostile annoyance, but annoyance in the sense of you guys have not been there for what I have been with Mark Marquez and the media's expectation. I'm very much including myself into that, not, not like as a prominent member, but certainly as having towed that line of just expecting that he'll be fine and super strong immediately on the Ducati, just from the evidence that we've seen even post-injury. And because I think we do take a little bit for granted, and I certainly do, that you can return and recover in in motorsports more than anywhere, that injuries that maybe in other sports would be career transformational in terms of your peak ability that in motorsport, yes, they'll take they'll take years out, months, years, whatever, but they won't take that peak level of performance. But certainly, I think it, it is pretty clear that Mark disagrees there. He he did not he did not say he was over the hill, but he certainly suggested very strongly that he was over the the peak of his career. That he will not. I think he did strongly suggest that he will not be as good as the best version of his, himself once was, which is an interesting thing to hear from a rider who is only a few months older than me. Thanks for that, Mark. But again, it's not its not about age. It's about what we haven't been there for, except in, you know, in documentaries and press releases about surgeries and all that kind of thing. Obviously, it's not just... It is physical, but it's also going to be mental. All that said, I mean, we, we also should not over-exaggerate here because he's already quick on the Ducati. So it's just, again, it is a question of that peak performance, but it's not a question of being over the hill or done or not being a front runner anymore. He clearly is. He's just clearly quick enough on this bike that so many people are quick enough, and he is too, and he's so new to it. And we know it takes people at least a little bit to squeeze out what they can squeeze out out of it. So it's interesting it's it, it, was, it was a really interesting chat and a really interesting view and i feel that push and pull between my expectations and also realizing the reality of his situation is it's insightful i think that the, the the factor that he's considering as much as the injury is his age and the fact that he's now you know 31 years old you look at the sort of modern history of the sport i think the only person that's won a title older than that was Mick Doon at the end of a, an incredible run of form. You know, Valentino Rossi won his last title at 30. Um, he is getting on in terms of this championship. And, you know, he talked about that, about suddenly being one of the old guys. Um, but 
I think that there is, I don't know, maybe maybe it's not even conscious on Mark's part where he's not consciously downplaying his chances going into this year. But I think that maybe the you know maybe maybe the rest of us looking at it from a different perspective can see that a still very good Mark Marquez as opposed to an exceptional Mark Marquez on a current Ducati is still going to be a package that's going to be right at the front this year and and that you know maybe. Maybe he's downplaying that in his own mind for his own reasons, whatever, right now. But, you know, I, he's going to be super fast. We know he's going to be super fast. He's already proven that. Um, and and maybe his words are going to change as the season progresses in that regards. Maybe we're going to see him become a bit more confident in what he's saying about, you know, what, what is possible. But I, I think that there's less to fear maybe than he suggested in that regards. There's a funny, you know, working in this industry for a bit now, obviously, Matt and Simon, you have, or well, Matt certainly, I think Simon and I are actually fairly similar in terms of the time, but Matt certainly is ancient, a lot more experienced in it. But it's always, when, when you get to competitors who are older than the median age, what you usually expect to hear from them is a defiance of the age, you know, the Fernando Alonso of today, yeah. the, the Valentino Rossi. Like, no, I, I still got it. I don't feel it. It's just a number. And then you get Mark Marquez, who turned 31 this week, um, being, yeah, you know, the, the best years are probably done. And I, I am keenly aware of every second that passes. It's like he's reading out the lyrics to Pink Floyd's Time every single time he speaks to he speaks to the media. You know, every year is getting shorter. Um, it's, 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 it's interesting. And it, I think... Very telling, very revealing. But I also, I, would that have been there had the last four years not played out as they were? No, an injury-free no, no. Marquez who hadn't lost that time and was still, he still had an arm the same shape as it was five years ago would not be saying that, I'm, I'm sure. But I, I think I didn't get the impression at any point during that interview like he was saying anything to play a mind game with the competition or trying to play down chances for you know, to bewilder, the, bewilder opponents or anything. I felt like that was an honest assessment of where he feels like he is at right now. Can, can I say something? And it's, this is not really related to, to Marquez. It's just a, a general belief of mine in terms of mind games. I think mind games is what we media members emphasize a lot when we want to feel important. <laughs> like we go, all, all the other writers are definitely reading what these people told us. And it's, you know, it occupies their brain. And I, that's part of it, but... Sometimes I think that could be true if we accuse most riders of mind games, but like a Valentino Rossi or a Jorge Lorenzo, yeah, when they say something that's a mind game, they don't. I, I don't think they ever cared how which reporter was writing it. They just wanted to get no, that little true. nugget in, in the opponent's head somehow. I suspect that, for instance, uh, without wanting to be mean to this guy, if Lorenzo Savadori was playing mind games in the media, that we'd, pr- we'd probably be hyping ourselves up a bit if we thought that was that was the case, but. I think you're the big of the big guns on that front. The least likely rider in this whole paddock <laughs> yes. to play mind games is Lorenzo Salvadori. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> uh, a few other things that really stuck out as uh, endearing, actually, in some cases. The, Mark joking, but probably not joking, that he'll still be the Ducati rider who crashes most this year. I thought was uh, probably can end up being bang on the money. Um, especially now Jorge Martins tidied himself up a little bit compared to 2023, but let's let's see how that goes. Um, it's interesting as well, because like we were talking about the plan for the interview earlier and what you were going to put into it, Simon, and it was deliberately look, looking back quite a lot, even though we're now in 2024 and you could say that the whole leaving Honda moving has been 
done. We we all felt there was something else to dig into there. That there, were, there were bits that were worth looking back on. Now the dust has settled, the move's complete, bit of hindsight. And I'm really glad we did. Um, I was surprised if the timeline he described is exactly as it was in terms of when he started seriously thinking about leaving. I'd be I'd be quite surprised if it was as exactly as he portrayed it he was talking there i think about it kind of being india time almost when his thoughts were really serious and and that the saxon ring mess had kind of put things in his mind but at that point it almost felt like he got to the misano test before thinking seriously about leaving based on how he described it that's i don't know if i quite quite go along with that i mean if that is the case then you have to give a massive amount of credit to grissini because they've basically played a blender by opening the door wide a couple of weeks before that and saying, look, we have the space for you here. Without ever really saying it outright, they they opened a door. Um, And if that, you know, if if he hadn't been seriously thinking about it until we got to that point, until he got to that Misano, uh, not even the Misano race, but the post-race test where he had the chance to try the new bike, if he got to there and was only then starting to think about it, then you would think if Grissini hadn't been quite, you know, open to the concept, then maybe that's where it would have ended, and he'd be a Repsol Honda the rider this year because he he wouldn't have explored the possibility too much. You know, he he kind of hinted that he didn't really go looking for alternatives. He he sort of saw what was available, but he didn't you know he didn't hunt anything down. So you know, we we thought that Grissini played an absolute blinder and signing him. Maybe it's an even bigger move than we thought from them. You know, maybe yeah. they've really nailed that just by, by being open to the possibility and, and presenting him an opportunity that, you know, arguably I don't think any writer would have expected to have had at that point in the season. I, I should say, I, I do actually believe the timeline quite a bit because I think that moment that he describes is when the joking stopped. True, yeah. I think while he was joking... He was still thinking that he was just playing a fun media game, and he's going to stay at Honda. So, you know, drawn up, uh, drew up a bit of media excitement, and then just sticking around, but made a storyline out of it. And then suddenly, it suddenly it made sense. And oops, now you can't joke about it because it's not funny anymore because you're leaving. And we talked about that at the time, right? We talked about the, yeah, the change yeah. in tone that came at that yeah, Misano exactly. test where exactly. he went from, from kind of feeling like he was playing with us to then not anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and yeah, maybe maybe everything before that was, maybe he was considering it, but he was dipping his toe. But, you know, that, that does line up with the moment it became serious was whenever he jumped on that bike at Misano and, and realized that this isn't going to get better in the short term. Well, the other thing with that as well is I, I was fascinated by how he described his decision-making process in terms of anyone who came at him aggressively with a demand or trying to rush his process was just like flat out, no. Who who might have done that? Any any guesses as to... Factory Ducati. Yeah. Okay. I think that's aimed at Factory Ducati because he also references um, Grissini being the only people that wanted to give him a one-year deal. Yeah. So, so that that is, you know, we know that Ducati offered him a two-year deal. We we know that, you know, we had that conversation in Mategi in October, early October, I think I remember the yeah. the conversation coming out the first time that, that Gigi Delinia admitted that they'd made an approach. And then we realized that that was a two-year deal. That wasn't what he wanted. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that's who came at him aggressive. And that's, <laughs> there's got to be a lesson there to the uh, the factory team about the Grissini approach and how yeah. maybe sometimes it's a little bit better to be hands-off because they're the one that won at the end of the day. 
yeah no i really i really admired the way he he phrased that and also that does that does fit the timeline if he's kind of thinking of india japan time as being the serious moment and anything that I'm, i don't i don't think for a moment he wasn't there wasn't a part of his brain up to that point certainly from saxony onwards just wondering what might be out there of course but to go from that that wondering to yes this is serious I would certainly agree on that timeline. An absolute fair play to him for going, I'm Mark Marquez, I'm going to make my decision in my time. And yeah, you've you've burnt your bridge if you're waving a contract with a deadline on it, because that's, that's not what I'm here for. Um, the other thing from the interview that I really want to talk about is the future and Honda, because he was, yeah, we, we expected him to maintain a good relationship with Honda. We talked about often about how he may end up back there. Simon, you've got the theory that he owes Honda a year. He was extremely warm towards Honda in in that interview, and not just platitudes, extremely specific about Honda's chances of being competitive to a standard he'd accept again. He sounds like someone that's been paid very close attention. The fact that he referenced still having lines of communication open to Kawata-san in particular... That that to me is like like he is paying very close attention to this. Yeah. And um, I spoke to all four Honda riders after the interview, and you know, sort of put what Mark said to them, and they were like, "Oh, so he's been paying very close attention to what's going on here." Then, like this is you know th- they're watching very closely, um, the Marquez camp. What's happening here? Um, that that to me. It doesn't confirm. It, it, it doesn't change my opinion at anything, but it kind of confirms my suspicions that the the Mark Marquez Honda story it isn't over. This is this is gonna you know, and it might not might not uh, come back together for twenty twenty five. But if we <laughs> if we uh, if we get to the start of the twenty twenty five season, if we get to like eleven months down the line, and Repsol are announced as the renewing their title sponsorship deal with uh, with the the Honda team, then <laughs> it's going to be a fairly big indicator that there's something coming in the near future. Because yeah, they're, they're, he's going to be he's going to finish his career in a Honda. To be fair, I think it does. Like it, this is not to suggest that you know, oh, they've shaken hands or something, they've signed something, whatever. Some decision's been made, but it does also sound like the timeline on what Mark will decide for 2025 is the kind of timeline that I think fits Honda more than any other manufacture on the grid if that makes sense honda is i think in the position to wait for the prodigal son to come back yeah more than more than anyone else really ducati doesn't need to wait yeah ducati can certainly you know explore the possibility but ducati has options on who to sign for for its works bikes and it will know that those works bikes will will keep winning um ktm i think I, I I suspect I suspect we have a good feeling of what the twenty five lineup might be already, and I I see how it might not include Mark Marquez certainly. All right, what, what I'm trying to say is it, it feels like Brad Binder Pedro Costa makes the most sense to me in my head right now. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't know why I'm being vague about it. And I, th- I think that is that is what Marquez would predict as well. <laughs> I, he I. We've talked before about how it might it might be mind games, how much he's hyping Pedro Acosta yeah. already. But I don't know, listening to him today I was, and having seen Acosta's test performance as well, I was thinking, no, he's he's saying that very genuinely in that he's looking at a guy who could not do what he did in 2013 in outright championship terms because Acosta's on a Tech 3 Gas Gas, not a Repsol Honda at its peak, but who could come in with that level of personal performance that I think he totally genuinely sees that from Acosta. The, the the thing for me about the Acosta comparison was how casually it was made. Yeah. 
it wasn't him trying to hype him up or play mind games. It was just like, oh, yeah, no, of course he's going to be fast. He's going to do what I did. Just a statement of fact, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 exactly. Which is kind of the paddock opinion on things. <laughs> like, everyone's talking about that kid after the, the way the testing has started. Um, but I think that... Yeah, I, I I think that Mark is more indicative of anyone else. And it's the first time that we've heard him really speaking about Acosta and it's not felt like mind games because there has been yeah. a little bit of that earlier in the year or end of last season where it kind of did feel like he was putting a bit of pressure on him. That wasn't today. Today was uh, a lot more a lot more honest in his assessment, I think. Yeah, just matter of fact. Yeah, this kid's quick. Yeah. Yeah. And And he is. I think pretty obviously, um, and there's still there's still a million other ways that KTM rider situation can play out, and the same is true for the Ducati second bike, obviously, and the same is true for like guys like Aprilia, and well, okay, he's not going to Yamaha, we can we can, <laughs> we can cross that one out, but you know, uh, the rest of them, but it's it's Honda that makes the most sense timeline wise in terms of you know the salary it can offer, like hey, we put we put all of your money that you forfeited for. You know, for tearing up the contract, we've put it all in a frozen bank account, basically. So they're waiting for you for your graduation day or whatever when you're coming back. <laughs> I, it's easy to, easy to, very easy to imagine, very easy to to paint that particular picture and to lay out all the steps to how it would happen. Which is not not to say that it's definitely going to happen in 25, but it there's something about it makes too much intuitive sense. Borderline Occam's Razor territory, you know. But it's the fun of MotoGP is that that often doesn't work out the way we think it is, which is otherwise it'd be really really boring if we Indeed. could just see which is every all the steps how they will happen. Otherwise, Marquez wouldn't be on the Grassini Ducati right now. Look at this, we've ended up on the 2025 ride market again. As a, <laughs> <laughs> what topic we start a podcast on, you know, this is where we're going to end up. But it, it's been like the you know I've, I've spoken to a lot of riders today, and it's been kind of pervasive everyone's already talking about it yeah that that is just that's where we're at right now as a sport yeah no i think i and i think rightly so like think about marquez's options you're right i think honda is the most geared up to welcome marquez back there's too big a chess game at the others i feel sorry for aprilia because I, th- I feel like aprilia needs to get its star lined up pretty quickly to make sure it doesn't end up with that one because it, it needs one it needs to it needs a big name rider for the next era now um and it's a bit too vulnerable to what everyone else is going to do. But Honda's just there, like you say, going, got some cash, bike's getting better. You know, we'll shovel everyone else around however we need to to make it happen for you. And you're still on the phone to us every day by the sound of it. Still got Santi here. He's waiting for you. Remember him? You know, it's all it's all lined up. So And, he, and Santi's on the side of the guy who's under the one-year deal. Yeah. And Juan Mir. So Honda, you could argue, is in a position to where it can wait to see whether Mark's coming back or whether it recommits to Joan Mir. And that's a really harsh thing to say about Joan Mir, who currently looks like the fastest Honda rider. But if Honda can get Mark, I think any of its current lineup makes way immediately. And again, I want to reiterate my belief that the guys who are on multi-year contracts are safe. I don't think Honda is particularly interested in tearing up any contracts from its side. So if Mark comes back, for me, that's at the expense of Joan Mir. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a storyline to watch in the in the opening races, and I, I'm I'm sorry to be saying that, Joanne, because uh, I mean he's lovely. He does not deserve to have this hanging over his head, but he also I think he also understands it very much, given the 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 year he had last year, and everything that's happened. I I can see a reality where 
Mir stays, but where he isn't a Repsol Honda rider, I can see a reality where he ends up at LCR alongside Johan Zarco. Because I think they'll be keen to keep his experience within the project, especially if he's really pushing bike development this season. Um, but they, they will do anything and everything to make room for Mark Marquez. But that's the. It could also be a straight swap with Rashini, honestly. Oh, yeah, that could work out. Yeah, that could work out very well, couldn't it? I don't think he'd say no to that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, we've got Frankie Carcetti. Yeah, that could work. Anyway, let's uh, let's not hurry Marquez out of Grassini Ducati just yet because I'm really excited to see how he goes at Grassini. I, every time another test happens, every time another interview happens, I get more excited for this season. And in, in some ways, I'm even more excited if Marquez's assessment of himself in your interview there Simon is completely accurate and he's coming back as like not the Marquez who's going to wipe the floor with everyone but a Marquez with a massive point to prove to himself who's up against Pecco Bagnaia, Jorge Martin, Pedro Acosta as well maybe in a very equal situation I think that's going to be absolutely mega to watch we have one more test coming up before things start for real we'll be back with another episode straight after that test which we'll record tuesday night i expect it might be wednesday morning european time before it reaches you because it'll be an evening record on tuesday um thank you for your time listeners thank you so much grassini for making that interview happen thank you mark marquez for your time as well listeners who put questions in like i said at the start a few of you are getting your questions put to mark marquez that will appear in the post qatar test episode in the middle of this week so keep an ear out for that and we'll be back with everything you need to know about the final test of the 2024 preseason in just a couple of days The Athletic